Welcome to The Crystal Pain Show, where we help you embrace your life right where you are and give you practical steps to get where you want to go. Whether you are in your car, folding laundry, cooking, cleaning, or maybe even just enjoying a cup of coffee and a few minutes of quiet, we're so glad you're joining us today. Here's your host, wife, mom of six kids, foster mom, entrepreneur, and author, Crystal Payne. Welcome to another episode of The Crystal Payne Show. Today, we're going to tackle a bit of a controversial topic. And I'm not one to usually step into controversial spaces, but I'm going to take a stand on this one. And for some people, you're like, that's controversial? Well, I discovered that it was when I answered a question on Instagram maybe a week ago and said one little phrase about requiring our kids to get a job by the time they're 15 and got a lot of response to that, did a little bit of follow-up on that and found that it was a very controversial topic. So we're going to talk about it today. We're going to share why we have this requirement, how it kind of plays out in our home and why it has been something that we're really happy we made this decision. And I know the word require is a pretty strong word. And so we're going to also talk about that as well. But before we get to that, Jesse, we've had some adventures in the last two weeks since we got on, I said got on, since we sat down at this table to Mm -hmm. record an episode, we were supposed to take two trips. We actually did end up taking both of those trips, but the route to get to those trips was a little bit different than what we expected. So we were supposed to go to Alabama to meet up with all of my side of the family. Actually, all of my siblings, um, there are seven kids in my family. We were all going to be able to make it to this Alabama trip. It was just for the weekend. And some people could come earlier. Some people had to leave early. Some people could stay later. But there was going to be this window of time. It was about 24 24 hours hours where we were all going to be there. So... We had to be some of the people that were coming a little bit later because our kids had some commitments and we had some commitments. So we get in the car, we get all packed up, we get in the car, we leave, and it Drive was about 30 minutes. Yes. And we get this text that says that two of the people have been experiencing some pretty significant stomach things that appeared as if. There was some kind of stomach bug that was going through the ranks. Mm -hmm. And um, since they had all been there together for 24 hours, we knew that everyone then had been exposed. So we would have just gone and just kind of risked it. But I was supposed to leave. Was it what it have been two days? Two days later. Two days later to go fly to Myrtle Beach to... Um, speak at this conference. And then um, Caitlin and Catherine both had some pretty significant things going on at school that they didn't want to miss. And then Silas had his championship, not his championship, his playoffs game for um, football. So they were in the championships. Yes, I guess this it was, was the semifinals. It was the semifinals. Yep. And because of his position that he plays, it's he kind of needed to be there. Well, and because to of be that, well. certain people were not going to be there. So he, so was, he was stepping up. Yeah, so he was filling in. So we would have just risked it. But knowing all of those things, we felt like if the stomach flu or stomach bug is going through the ranks of all however many people 
what it it's over 30 people that were there. Um, Probably not a wise thing, but it was really hard because we wanted to get to see everybody, but also knew that the fallout of us all getting a stomach bug was not going to be pretty and was going to also impact a whole lot of different people. It wasn't just like our family. It would impact literally dozens of other people and families and situations and just cause a lot of hard things. And a lot of people have to figure things out and stuff if we were out of pocket because of the stomach bugs. So we ended up turning around and driving back home, which was so hard. And then we waited. And I actually didn't talk about this on Instagram because I was offline on the day that we went. But so we waited for it was almost 24 hours and no one else got sick. And so we finally decided that just Jesse and I would go with our three younger ones. And then Catherine, Caitlin, and Silas would stay home because at least that would mitigate that if someone else got sick while we were there, we could not, we could make sure that yeah. they didn't, they weren't, exposed, they weren't exposed at all. And so then that would be Silas's football game and their school stuff. And, um, so we went and it was wonderful. We, we literally only all the siblings were together for three hours, I think, before some of them had to leave, but it was really great. We got a sibling picture and, um, it was just a really special time. It was this beautiful, um, house on this lake. I think it's called Weiss Lake or I don't Weiss. Know, Weiss. So. Is that yeah. you pronounce it? It's W E I S S. Someone who is local probably knows better, but just this gorgeous, lake and location and um, they had a swimming pool and a playground and just a lot of fun things um, for the kids to do. So we were sad that our older kids didn't get to go, but we were grateful to get to go for a little while. So then we came home. So that was, we, we were supposed to go Friday. We ended up not going until Saturday. We came home Sunday afternoon and then um, got everything unloaded and repacked so that I could leave with Kaylin and Micah early, early on Monday morning. I think we left it 545 or something. Mm -hmm. So I was supposed to fly to Myrtle Beach, which by the way, I didn't find out until Sunday, just Sunday evening, I think it was, that Myrtle Beach is in South Carolina, not Florida. That's what I was looking at your notes and you said trips to Alabama and Florida. And I was like, wait a minute. I still didn't go to Florida. I still literally just wrote it down on my notes that I (laughs) it says trip to Alabama and Florida. Y'all. Oh my goodness. So I had told so many people, yes, I'm flying to Florida, flying to Florida. Um, I talked about it on the internet, you know, and, and I told my whole family and, and then I said something about Florida to you. Cause I hadn't said it to you. And you look at me, you're like, I thought you were going to Myrtle beach. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to Myrtle beach. And you're like, that's not in Florida. <laughs> I was like, well, where is it? So then I had to look it up on the map and I was like, oh, South Carolina. So I just, all this time when they'd asked me to come, I just heard Myrtle Beach, Myrtle Beach, Myrtle Beach. And I guess for me, anything that has beach on the end equals Florida. So I found out that I was actually going to South Carolina, not Florida, which I'm still clearly confused on based on my notes. Um, (laughs) But it was funny because I wondered, like, at what point would I have realized that I wasn't in Florida? I don't know. Like, would I have realized it? Would yes, I have, you would have. Would I have gone on the entire trip? No, you would have seen it on the marquee for the flight. Would I have, though? You know me. 
You would have seen Myrtle Beach. Yeah, I don't know if you would have seen. South I, I probably. So what? What would have been funny is if I would have shown up there and blogged, or I mean, you know, done my Instagram story about, oh, the Florida beach is so beautiful, or like said said something said something safe. yes yeah. about it's so great to be here in Florida. <laughs> anyway, so we leave, uh, get to the airport, and we had noticed when I checked in that it hadn't said that my ticket was with an infant. And it's a complicated situation, but Silas was supposed to go with me initially when I'd said yes to the speaking trip. But then because of this playoff game, we had to switch from him going to Caitlin going. So Jesse, you had called in, you mm-hmm. got that all switched, but they'd had to separate my record locator and Caitlin's record locator. So we were right. on separate tickets instead of combined tickets. And somehow in the process of that, they'd also taken Micah off my ticket, which mm-hmm. we did not realize. So my ticket no longer said with infant, which I have checked in at the kiosk so many times. And so I thought, you know, there's a little thing, it pops up and it says, are you traveling with an infant? So I thought, well, when I get there, I'm just going to have when that pops up, I'll say yes and I'll add him on. It'll be no big deal. I've lesson learned that is not how it works. You need to have at least it yeah. seems like you. I need wonder though too if it's because you had checked in on your phone. Yes, I had that. tried to check in on my phone. I'm not completely sure. So someone who knows more about airlines, That's maybe right. I think that it you try to check in and it wouldn't let you finish the process. Is that right? Yes. I I believe so, although no, I think I actually checked in fully, but it doesn't ask it didn't ask me about are you traveling with an infant? So I checked in fully and then I realized when okay. I got when I got my ticket that it didn't say with infant and I'm like, that's gonna be a problem. Right. And I had thought about possibly just risking it and going through security and seeing if I didn't get stopped because I had Micah with me, um, and then getting to up to the counter at the um, actual gate and having them fix it there because honestly, they probably could have much more easily fixed it because they right. would have just switched some people around on the plane. But I was like, if I get up to security and they send me all the way back, like, I don't want to somehow be really risking it on missing my flight because we, we had enough time, I thought, sort of, but at this point, like, it, I just thought, who knows how long I'd wait and then have to be sent back. And there was quite a long line. Well, so I get up to the kiosk and first I find out that the kiosks aren't working. As in there, I was like, oh, look at all these kiosks that are open. And then I realized, oh, the reason they're open is because they all have like a big red triangle on them that says not working working. or whatever. So I wait in line, finally get to a kiosk and then all of them are having major issues. Like you have to, maybe it will work, but when it does, it was like you'd press one number to put in your record locator Mm -hmm. and then you'd have to wait about 10 seconds and then it would show the number. Then you'd push the next one. It was all on dial-up. So (laughs) slow, yes. So finally I got through. And so by this time, it's taken a good 10 minutes off of my time that I had. Mm. I get to the... Um, add infant and it's all grayed out. It won't let me do it. So I'm like, this is going to be a problem. So I thought, well, I've got time. I'll go get in the the line to customer service. It'll be fine. They'll add it on. No big deal. And, you know, it was, I was cutting it a little bit close at this point, but 
based upon, I know how quickly it takes to get through security and how quickly the line was moving. I'm like, it'll be fine. Was the line of customer service really long? It wasn't, it looked longer than it was. There were groups of people that maybe had four. Each group had like four. So at first I was like, I don't know, but then it was going quickly enough that I was like, okay, it's going to be fine. So I get up to customer service. And at this point, like I had a I had a good 15 minutes before I really needed to be to security Mm -hmm. to be able to get through and get to the gate and be fine. And the lady's like, well, you're running kind of (laughs) late. Great. Do you know me? Um, I was like, (laughs) this is early. It's early. I I really padded this time anyway, but she's like, I don't, you know, she was asking me what flight I was on and she was saying, well, you know, it's, that the the flight was going to be boarding soon. And so they weren't going to be able to check my luggage. And I said, well, I don't have any luggage to check. I just have carry on. And so then she was like, okay. So I explained to her what the situation was. I said, I just need to add him on my ticket as an infant. Well, then I knew when she goes, she asked her friend, do you have any idea how to add an infant? I knew this was <laughs> not, not, not starting out well. But then what ended up happening is not only were their computers having major issues, but then they could not find a seat for me because it was a completely full flight. They couldn't find a seat for me that was on the right, the whichever side of the plane needs to be on. I said the I right think, side, but I'm saying I the know, actual like it is the the right side is the correct side. Um, and the reason is is because they only one side of the plane in this particular aircraft has an extra oxygen mask, so you have to sit on that side of the plane, which I understand. Great protocol, all of that, but. At this point, she could not get the computer to work. She could not get to f- figure out how to get me a seat. And she was having a really hard time trying to figure out how to add an infant. And so 15 minutes passed in the time that she was trying to figure all of that out. Well, what I didn't say is that I had sent Caitlin ahead because Caitlin was on a different ticket. And so she didn't have um, TSA pre. So I sent her ahead cause I knew it was going to take her a little bit longer to get through the, um, security security. Yes. I couldn't think of the word. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she had already gone through security. She was already to the gate and the lady's going, I don't think I can get you on this flight. And I said, well, my 16 year old is already ahead. She's already at the gate and she's already gone through security can she fly without me? And the lady's like, yes, but I'm sure she wouldn't want to. And so I'm texting Caitlin, hey, how do you feel about going ahead on the flight? Because I don't think I'm going to make this flight. Caitlin's like, great, no big deal. So um, the lady was like, okay, well, then it's fine. Um, But something about that interaction with her, with me just being so chill about my 16-year-old going ahead, seemed to just kind of take the wall down with her because she'd been frustrated and kind of, and I just been tried to be super kind and super nice. And, um, I think she was just shocked. I think she was bracing herself that I was going to yell at her demand that I get on that flight because my 16 year old was already there. And I was just like, Oh no, it's fine. She'll just go ahead. And so then she, she was just shocked. And then she started being super nice to me, went out of her way, worked really, really hard to try to work things out. But the best she could do then at that point was that um, she gave me, she got me on two standby flights and then two for sure tickets. What is the word that I'm thinking of for an actual booked um, book ticket or something? Anyway, so I had, it wasn't just all standby flights, which I had yeah. prayed. I prayed that I could get on an actual seat on a plane for sure, because I was going to the speaking event, but I really didn't need to be there until about 
6.30. And so she was able to get me on a flight that was for sure going to get in by 5.40. So Mm -hmm. I wasn't able to get on the first standby flight, um, but I was able to then get on the booked, then, then I had a booked ticket flight. So I got on that flight. And so then I had another standby flight that I could possibly get on that was going to get me in at 3.30. So I go to that gate. And was this in Nashville or? This was, so this was in Charlotte. Um, okay. And so, so I, I flew out of Nashville. It was, I didn't, I mean, I had to wait at the airport for probably three or four hours because till I could get on the actual booked flight because I wasn't able to get on the standby flight because they were, there wasn't room. So I get to Charlotte and I barely had time to get from my gate to then this standby flight. So I'm going as fast as I possibly can to get there. And I was thinking, I really need to nurse Micah. I really need to go to the bathroom. I really need to get food. But I was like, I don't have time. I just want to try to get on this flight because if I get on this flight, then I'm going to get in at 340. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I saw that there were three people ahead of me on the standby list. And I thought, well, I'm probably not going to make it. But I went ahead and you know stood there and waited and they asked my name and somehow, some way, like they had one ticket left. And I thought, this is amazing. Like I'm going to get in early. It feels so great. And so they give me the ticket. I go down the jet bridge. I have the stroller and the car seat and all my stuff. And I go to drop off the stroller in the car seat to gate check it. And the guy from the ticket or the desk at the gate comes running down the jet bridge. And he's like, I'm so sorry, ma'am. I'm so sorry, ma'am. But I don't think we're going to be able to give you that ticket. And I was like, okay, never had that happen before. (laughs) He's like, just come back up here. And so I came back up and there was this flight crew that had just come in right after I'd left. And something about this, they, the pilot had some seniority number. I don't really understand. They seemed very frazzled and stressed and like they were panting and sweating and I could just tell it must have been a really rough day and they were kind of being demanding about how urgent it was for them to get on this flight and they're like we have one seat left and we just gave it to her she already has a ticket she already went down the jet bridge like we can't give it back to one of you and the guy's like no 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 I have this number and everything and I'm just standing there and they're just like arguing back and forth about this and they call management over and management is like, she already has a ticket. Like we can't, we can't give you the ticket now. And then he said, no type in this number or something. And finally they're like, we're really sorry, ma'am, but he gets the ticket. And I was like, that's fine. It's fine. I I have another, I have another ticket after this. So it was just such an opportunity to be flexible and to spend, I spent a lot of extra hours at the airport And I got to have a lot of conversations with people that I wouldn't get to have. And what was the gift in all of that is that I hadn't been able to nurse Micah, go to the bathroom, get food. And so I was able to then go to the nursing mother's room that was right next to the gate. There are only three nice nursing mother's room at Charlotte. And one of them happened to be right next to this gate that I didn't get on that standby flight. And I just was able to have quiet and get stuff done. And just Micah was able to just rest and he ended up falling asleep. And so it just, I saw God's hand through all of it. And Caitlin went ahead on both of those flights. And then the conference coordinators picked her up and she got to go to the hotel by herself and be there for five hours. And she was texting me and she was like, mom, this is so relaxing. This is amazing. (laughs) I want to fly by myself all the time. And, and I just, 
again, saw God's hand and that she was so flexible as well. But I know that had she been with me, it would have been a little bit more stressful for her because there was just so many unknowns and it was so up in the air. But Micah, you know, he's just along for the ride. He doesn't have a clue. And so I was just grateful that she was able to have a relaxing time and that I was able to have a mostly relaxing time and that I got there in time. And it was a great, great trip. We were only there for less than 24 hours and then turned around and came back home. But we did get to go to the beach and it was beautiful. I've posted a few videos um, in reels on Instagram. I'm that money saving mom on Instagram, but that was a long, long story to share just how, you know, I think for me, the lesson in all of that was just that people are not expecting kindness. And especially at the airport, that was the thing. I just, I, everyone was so kind to me. And I think it was because I just decided to choose gratitude and to look for the blessings and to look for opportunities to bless other people. And I ended up just having so many great conversations with people and just getting to encourage people and thank people, like just being grateful for people who went out of their way to help me, people who tried to get me on the flights and things like that. And and it was just, I felt like an opportunity to spread kindness and just recognize how it seems like. And it just kind of feels like that's a bit of a lost art. Especially at the airport. Yes. I mean, I can imagine the stress and the expectations of others that they have on their shoulders. I mean, it's always good to relieve stress from somebody else like that. Well, I think I just realized that going into it, deciding, I feel like every time I fly, I just decide there are going to be delays. There are going to be things that are unexpected and to just go into it with that mentality. So then like on the way back, there was absolutely zero issues and it felt mm-hmm. like such a gift. It's like, oh, we got on the flights. They went through just fine. There were no delays. And so it always just feels like a gift when there aren't the unexpected things. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. If you've heard me talk at all over the last few years, you know that I went through a season where I had very severe seasonal allergies and it took me a while to figure out what was triggering it and it was debilitating. If you've ever suffered from this, I actually had my polyps got really swollen in my nose and then I got chronic rhinitis so I could not smell out of my nose. And not only that, but I would have these really awful headaches, the kind that just kept me from being able to enjoy my life. And I started going to an ENT, and one of the things that he recommended was Claritin D. And so for a time period, I took Claritin, and it was such a help to me. Luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. It works so well. I am a living testament to how well it works. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. So if you've ever suffered from seasonal allergies, if you can relate to kind of some of the things that I have experienced and you want some relief, 
I highly recommend checking out Claritin D. Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Amwar makes getting dressed easy. With a clothing rental membership from Amwar, build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five-minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic, personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out for new-to-use styles. Now, I mentioned on the podcast recently that I have been pregnant or breastfeeding for four and a half years, and that season of my life came to a close recently, and I was like, I forgot I can wear normal clothes again that don't need to be breastfeeding friendly or constantly changing in sizes with a postpartum body. And so now I'm left with trying to figure out, well, what do I wear? What is my style? I can't even remember. And styles have changed so much in the last few years. And so I've been having fun experimenting with different types of clothing. And I love that Amoire has allowed me to try some different styles of jeans and kind of step outside my comfort zone and figure out what I love, what works for my body type, and to not have spent money on things that I was like, "Mm, actually, this doesn't work after I wore it a few times and realized I don't really like it. And so it's been a great opportunity for me to try out some new things and help me to define my personal style. And I also love that the style quiz, the different suggestions that they gave after I took the style quiz, it was right in line with what I would want to wear. And so I have just loved this service and I would love for you to get to try it out and get a great deal. Right now, my listeners can give Amoir a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit amoir.style forward slash crystal. That is amoir.style A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash crystal to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Amoir today. This episode is sponsored by Byheart, and I feel like I need to preface what I'm going to say with this. I'm a huge advocate of breastfeeding. Anyone who knows me well knows that nursing is something I believe in, and all five of our biological children were breastfed until they were 19 to 23 months old. However, we also have fostered and adopted, and I've been so grateful for formula companies in those situations. I'm also grateful for formula companies because our last two biological children, I really struggled with my supply and did all the things, spent so much time and effort and just was never able to produce enough for them to be able to gain weight and not be hungry. And so I was so grateful for companies like Byheart. 
Byheart is an infant nutrition company built from the ground up to deliver real innovation on behalf of babies and parents. Their mission is simple, make the best formula in the world. Using the latest in breast milk science, Byheart created a clinically proven, easy to digest infant formula that's made with organic, grass-fed whole milk, certified clean ingredients, and features a patented protein blend that gets closest to breast milk. They're made with certified clean ingredients. It has no soy, corn syrup, GMOs, or palm oil. Curious about Byheart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com forward slash podcast with code crystal for a limited time. Additional terms and conditions apply. So go to byheart.com forward slash podcast and use crystal to get your welcome offer. Okay, so why we require our kids? or I should say teens, to get jobs. So this came from a question, like I said, it was someone asking about how many hours our kids work per week and how they got started working. Did we help them with that? And what age they got started? And so I just said a little phrase in there about how they are responsible for everything when it comes to jobs. So finding a job, applying for a job, going and doing the interview, and then all of the details related to what their work schedule is, taking care of their uniform, showing up when they need to show up, doing what they need to do. We don't do any of that because Mm -hmm. I feel like by the time a child is old enough to get a job, that should be all on them. Now, obviously, if you have a child who has, you know, they're disabled or other things like that, that's going to be a different story. But Mm -hmm. for our three older kids, they are capable of doing it themselves. And also I want them to have the experience of this is their responsibility. And so if you don't show up for work when you're supposed to show up and there are consequences, I want them to experience that. Like I'm not there to hold their hand for everything because someday when they get older, I'm not going to be there to hold their hand. So this is a great learning opportunity right now for them Mm -hmm. to practice adulting. But it was that little sentence that I said in my reply about how I was talking about that we require our teens to get a job by the time they're 15. And people are like, why do you require your kids to get a job? And what are the requirements? And so I responded and posted one of my responses. And I was talking about how having a job is real life skills. It's good preparation for adulthood where in order to eat and live, Mm -hmm. somebody's got to work. And I don't want that somebody to be us. Like it needs to be, they need to figure it out. You know, now whether they're married and they're a stay-at-home mom and their husband works or whether, you know, they are both working, what, what, however that looks, but somebody needs to be working in order to provide. And, and I think it's important for kids to start understanding that, like the value of money and that work equals being able to buy things. Mm-hmm. But not only the value of money, but the be, being able to handle and manage that money that comes in. It's invaluable. Well, I think we do a huge disservice to our kids if we pay for everything for them. And this was the thing that was so controversial, but I just feel like if we pay for everything for our kids from the time they're zero to the time they graduate from college, how are they going to learn mm-hmm. 
the value of money. Like if you just, so you pay for everything and then you launch them out and they've never earned money, you know, had to handle their bank account, figure out how much am I going to save? How much am I going to spend? They've never had to really have that money coming through their hands that they have earned and then money going out of their hands that they're seeing, okay, so if I work this much, I earn this much, am I going to be able to pay all my bills? Mm -hmm. And I think that we can just do such a disservice to them and really kind of hurt them because we're not teaching them and to help out, to contribute, to have a job. Life skills. And our jobs as parents is to prepare our children for launching out. And if we, like you say, it's a disservice. We're, it's, it's actually negligent on our part if we don't go that route and don't prepare them appropriately. And a lot of people talked about, well, I just want my child to focus on academics. Like that's all I want them to focus on. And I want them to do well in school. And then later on, they can get a job. And I think that, you know, unless your child has learning disabilities, I think to really teach them the value of time management. Mm -hmm. Because when they become an adult, they might want to go back to school. They might want to go and learn a new trade or learn something new. And they're going to have to figure out how to learn while also earning. Mm -hmm. And so I think the value of time management of how am I going to prioritize things well? I know recently Catherine talking about how she had to say no to some different social things that she really wanted to go to because her responsibilities for school and for work. That is a life lesson. Mm -hmm. I think of you and I, we sometimes don't get to do all the things that we want to do because there are responsibilities. And so teaching our kids that and doing it in a way that we're still there with them and we can have those conversations. I think of different things that they've come against in their jobs and different Mm -hmm. bosses and situations with different things like that, that when we've been kind of able to walk that with them and they've learned from that and it's been a really good experience. One thing I was thinking about was even if your child's not doing well in school, sometimes people that aren't doing well in school, it's because the way that they're learning in a school environment doesn't fit their learning style and working with their hands or, you know, not just thinking of things um, theoretically or conceptually, but actually getting their hands dirty and and doing something helps them to learn even more and learn and learn better. So having that job is real life experience that they don't learn at school and it might actually be a better way for them to learn. Well, I also think The fulfillment that comes, that's what we've seen for our kids. The fulfillment that comes when they've worked really hard, they've earned that money. And then to see that money building up in their bank account or Mm -hmm. for them to be able to go out and buy something with their own hard-earned money, they appreciate it so Mm -hmm. much more. And so I think we can also kind of rob our kids of that fulfillment of them learning that joy that comes from you work hard and you reap the rewards of that. And, you know, obviously you can learn that in some other senses, but I just think there's something about you earning your own money. Mm -hmm. And sure, 
you know, yes, we have our own business and we could just have our kids work for us, but we require them to go out and get an actual job with another boss in a real world situation because I feel like that even though, yes, we could use their help and we do pay them for doing different things for us, um, but I think it's really important to to have the process of applying for jobs and interviewing for jobs and and doing it in a way that there's nothing like we are not giving them a good word. You know, we're not putting in a good word with our friend asking them to hire our child. It's like they're doing it all on their own. And so they're sometimes getting rejections. They're sometimes, you know, it's like the job that they really wanted didn't pan out for them. And I think that that's just gives them a lot of confidence the more that they do that to then go and be able to figure this out on Mm -hmm. their own. And they don't need us to be holding their hand through it all. Now, one thing I was thinking of, it's difficult for a 14-year-old to get a job. Hmm. Um, Our our 14-year-old now got a job because of uh, the good work ethic of his sister. Mm -hmm. And she helped, you know, pave the way for him to get that job. And both of them saw the benefit of working hard Mm -hmm. and uh, working and being liked by the people that you work for. That's, that's huge. And so um, it's really a character building experienced experience, but you can also see how that benefits other people. Yes. I know for Silas, we told him, dude, you, you got it good because Catherine had really paved the way and built these relationships and built this rapport. And, and so kind of worked herself up to the place where when she said, you know, she knew that, that where she works, they were looking to hire. And she said, well, my brother, I know you don't usually hire at 14, even though it is legal in mm-hmm. Tennessee, but um, she said, you know, he's got a strong work ethic. I think he'd do great. Mm-hmm. And so he got the job. I, they didn't even interview him. Did they? I don't remember if they did or not. But I said, you better go in there and you better live up to what she has told them about you. And You just have to file a, a parental uh, waiver that allows your child to work at 14. Yes. And, you know, so if you live somewhere where your child can't work at 14 or 15, there are still lots of ways that they could start their own business. They can do something mm-hmm. online. I know one thing that's been, been huge is poop scooping for dogs. Like I know so many people I've talked about this on Instagram. It's not something our kids have ever done, but I've heard of a lot of people doing it. And so starting a poop scooping business, like that's something that is apparently in very high demand. Um, so encouraging them with that, we've, um, some of our kids have started their own businesses, done stuff online or in the community. And that's been a really good thing as Mm -hmm. well. And I talked about how we would address the whole requiring of our kids to get a job at 15 that's not something that we have, you know, been like, you must get a job at 15. No, it's never it's a loose requirement. It's, it's always been the thing of, we have the conversations when they're younger about, you know, the value of money and working hard. And um, we teach them from the time they're young that you can do paid chores once you've done your non-paid chores so that you can earn money, at, you know, at our house. And I think it just kind of gives them that desire mm-hmm. to then go out and want to have an actual real job as well. And so it, it turns into their own desire to get this job. Yes. Cause it, both Caitlin and Silas, they got a job when they were 14 and I think they applied yeah. like the day that they turned 14 because they really wanted to get a job. 
And Catherine, she was, she didn't get her first job until 15. And she was the one that she's kind of sometimes needs a little bit more nudging. But again, it was just more about conversations around that. And it was, it's that expectation because I feel like by the time a child is 15, mm-hmm. they should be paying for some of their own things. And so a job allows them the ability to do that. And I know one of the things that people wrote in about was my kids are super involved in sports. And so they don't have time to have a job. And again, I would push back on that. And I would say that if they don't have time to have a job, are you setting them up for real world, real life experience? And you have to remember, these aren't full-time jobs. It's yeah. impossible. It's a part-time and part-time is anywhere from zero to 20 hours a week. And it's nowhere near 20 hours a week for, for Silas. For Silas. Yes. And I think for they're limited to like what, three hours. He can only do, I think three to four hour blocks yeah. only a few times a week. And so yes, he's in travel baseball. He just finished up his football season, which was very demanding. He's getting ready to start basketball. And so he has a lot of sports things throughout the week and a very vibrant social life because he is very <laughs> extroverted. And so he oftentimes will only work one shift mm-hmm. a week and some weeks he doesn't work a shift at all. And that's totally fine because I think it's also that learning the time management thing, but to get creative and be like, there are ways that you can fit in short shifts here and there, even if you have a lot going on and it's just that learning for the future. Mm -hmm. And I think it's also giving him some spending money and it's giving him the ability to learn to practice managing money and having a bank account and your savings and your spending and, and all of that. And so I would just say that I think we have seen huge value Mm -hmm. for our kids in this. And it is a decision that we're so glad that we made and kind of set them up for early on. And I would just challenge you if you haven't given your children opportunities to get a job, if that's not something that you've encouraged them with, to just start having conversations around that and start looking and start thinking about that and start just kind of paving the way for that. Because I believe that it is a real gift that we can give our kids for them to learn to deal with difficult people Mm -hmm. (laughs) in in many jobs. They're going to deal with maybe a difficult boss, a difficult coworker, or a difficult customer or all three. Mm -hmm. And then learning to deal with sometimes there's high stress days and, and how do you handle that? And learning to have a really strong work ethic and learning to practice, you know, you got to take care of your uniform and show up on time and um, just be fully there. And you have to manage your time so that you don't have homework that you're going to need to do when you get home. And so planning ahead and just so many life skills that we've seen come from it. And so that's why we have required our kids to get a job when they turn 15. And I'll stand by that because it's something that's been really, really beneficial to our kids and to our lives. And I hope, and I feel like what we're already seeing with Catherine really to their futures. Mm -hmm. No, I think too, we did the exact same thing growing up. I mean, both of our parents required us to work when we were teens and we're just, we've seen the benefit for us and we're just passing that along because we want to set them up for success. Mm -hmm. I feel like the reason that I am as frugal as I am and the reason that I have the strong work ethic that I do and really the reason that the business has succeeded as much as it has 
is hugely connected to the fact that my parents had me start paying for things when I was really young and expecting that of me and really just expecting the character and strong work ethic. And I think that that, you know, if your child, even if they don't do well academically, because I was someone who Mm -hmm. really struggled academically, I did not do well in school, but that character and strong work ethic have taken me really far. And so I think that it's a gift that we give our kids. We give our future selves also because our kids are not going to be coming back to us expecting handouts from us. And then also for our grandkids and all of that, I think we're leaving a legacy of something that is going to have a ripple effect for a long time down the road. Thank you for joining us today. For more great resources, please visit crystalpain.com.